0: Hello, I'm Scott Suskovic, Senior Pastor at Christ Lutheran Church. I want to invite you to check out our website, ChristELCA.org. And join us at worship. We have four different, very unique campuses. So glad you're here. Enjoy this podcast. If I ask you to fill in this blank, I wonder how you would do it. We got a little glimpse of it earlier this week in the introduction that Pastor Scott gave us to today's theme. But let me ask you right now, God is... How would you fill in that blank? Thank you. This is the first interactive service we have had all day. Thank you. We all have an idea of how to fill in that blank. God is something. If we were sitting down at lunch together and I asked you to fill in that blank, I wonder how you might do it and what would inform how you answered that and how you filled it in. Maybe our answer depends upon where we are in the journey of life. Maybe the answer depends upon our collection of past experiences. Maybe it depends upon our most recent experiences. And maybe we are the ones who impact how other people might fill in that blank. Maybe. Some of you might know Rose, a member of Christ Lutheran at our Concord campus, and with her permission, I share this story. A few years ago, Rose was fairly new to Charlotte, and she didn't know many people, and she was going through a very difficult time. Discouraged and distressed, she had identified a particular church that she wanted to visit that Sunday, and as she was driving toward that church, she saw another church that she wanted to visit to go to. Something told her, turn here. So she didn't go to the one that she intended to go to. Instead, she went to this other church, and as she got out of her car, one of the parking lot ministry greeters came up to her, and seeing that she was obviously distraught and in stress and something going on in her life, he walked up to her and says simply, sister, have you given it to God yet? Have you given it to God? He walked with her toward the church. He put his arm around her. He prayed with her, and that question just stuck. Have you given it to God? So when I asked Rose, I said, what was that experience like? And what I'm really asking is, for help with this Sunday sermon, if you can go back to that moment, how would you fill in that blank that God is. She said without a moment's hesitation, God is sovereign. God is in control. God is here in the moment. God is the one we turn to in times of trouble. God is the one that we turn to in times of greatest joy. Rose is not one with few words. She kept going on. I said, Rose, I just wanted one. (laughs) She kept going on. But on this day when Rose most needed God's arms wrapped around her. God showed up in the form of a man named Milton. Sister, have you given it to God yet? Over the next few weeks, we're going to browse through a list of God is blank statements. Today, God is refuge. Next week, God is king. After that, as we begin the Advent season, God is joy, a time of hoping and waiting, a time of, and then God is inspiration. God is Messiah. And then the Sunday right after Christmas, God is with us. God is Emmanuel. And then as we turn the page on that new chapter, that new year, 2022, on January 2nd, God is new life new life. So many of these post from people is characterized by sporadic engagement, by passivity, by commitment phobia, and a consumerist framework. Hmm. What do we do with that? How do we be church when things have changed so much? well, sad to say, the church is not going to stop changing, and we have to continue to evolve and to change. The way we do church and how church is today is not the same way that our ancestors did it, how the people centuries ago did it. We're constantly evolving and changing and trying to figure out how to be relevant and how God. But you know what? God is in control, and we aren't, because God is our refuge and our strength. We aren't our own refuge and strength. We study the Bible to get a better understanding of the foundation. That's one thing that has not changed. The foundation, the belief, the understanding that's written right here. We explore our faith. Let's talk about God's plan. Let's do a 30,000 foot overview of what this does in just a few minutes. We're gonna start with God's intention, God's plan. God created this utopia, this incredible place where we could live in unity with God. And it was beautiful. It was good. It was incredible. And then what did we do? We screwed it up. Now we're in exile. Adam and Eve succumbed to the the enemy's enticement, and now we find humanity being separated from God. But it's not just Adam and Eve. It's your story. It's my story. It's our story. It's their story. We're tempted and we fall to sin daily, hourly, weekly. And if I'm honest with myself and with everyone, it's probably not a minute of my life that goes by that I don't sin. Remember Martin Luther? He confessed and confessed and confessed and confessed. And he'd walk out of the confessional booth and, oh, I forgot one. And he'd run back in. There's not a minute of our lives that we probably don't sin. And we're in good company because all of humanity has done it. We sin and we find ourselves separated from God. So God calls his chosen people to a mission. God designates this group of people. Here's the third point. God designates the group of people as his chosen people and calls them to action, promising to bless them so that they might be a blessing to others, a light, a light to all nations, not just to themselves, but to all nations. But despite repeated warnings, God's people are determined to break the covenant that God makes with them. We break the covenant as sin just seems to dominate our lives. Next point. Here comes Jesus. We can't do it ourselves, so God does what we cannot do. We cannot keep the law We cannot keep the covenant that we had with God, that God had with us, so God sends Jesus as the sacrificial lamb to take all of our sins, dying on the cross, rising again, so that we might be free of this eternal stranglehold that sin has over us. Jesus is here teaching, he heals, he does incredible miracles, he shows us what's important, he shows us how to live, how to love. He becomes more than our refuge, he becomes our sin, He takes our sin and then dies with it on the cross once and for all. Done. Next point. We become renewed people of God. So we, the church, now because of Jesus, no longer have to live under the fear of death. We no longer have to worry about exile, about the separation from God, because God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, and as such, whom shall we fear? whom shall we fear? God is in control. And given this, then the questions that we need to ask are, how shall we live? What will we do? The disciples are huddled in a room together. Jesus has died and they're huddled in this dark room. I imagine the blinds are closed, the shades are drawn, however it is, they're dark. I'm sure the door is locked, and they're in distress. They're in distress wondering what to do. Jesus has died on a cross. Are we next? And huddled there in the room, they can't believe what has happened because they thought, oh, he was the one. But they just don't believe it. They can't see any light in that darkness that envelops them. And maybe the tears are flowing, I don't know exactly what it's like, but I imagine something like that. And they can't see a way out, and then Jesus appears, and Jesus says, peace be with you. Just that, peace be with you. Here He is, their refuge, their Savior, their strength, their very present help in trouble, what is surprising is that they don't immediately jump up, embrace him, give him a hug, high-fives, and cheering. It's not, until, it's not until he shows them the scars in his hands and in his side that we read and hear that they were overjoyed at seeing him. It's not until they see a sign that they believe it's real, that Jesus is right there, among them. And then Jesus says once again, peace be with you. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and gives direction, not just for the disciples, but for you and for me. Jesus gives us direction. He says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Don't sit here huddled up in the room crying and fearful. Give it to God and go on. He wants us to join him as living signs of this hope that is to come. You see, we are part of the mission of God. We are part of this next chapter, implementing God's mission, bringing hope, bringing mercy and justice and peace and forgiveness. Not long ago, I stood at the bedside of a dying member of our congregation, and I read a scripture from Romans that I helped that I hope helped them, because it always helps me to hear it as well. When we're in the midst of that grief and that struggle, sometimes we need to hear it again. Tell me again. From Romans 8, Paul writes, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living with you, within you. Just as God raised Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies. See, through baptism, we are joined together in Christ, not just in life and in death, but also in resurrection. Last point on this touch and go through the Bible, God comes again. See, we know something that maybe other people who are struggling or trying to figure out yet what this all means, we know something that maybe they haven't figured out, that God will come again. We are promised that. Through the faithful witness of our ancestors and of the Word, we are given this collection of books called the Bible. God gives us this gift so that we understand that Jesus' death and resurrection is not the end of the story, nor is our involvement in this mission the end of the story. Uh, Let me ask you again, how would you finish this statement, God is? Maybe sometimes, you know, we need a Milton to greet us in our times of struggle, in our times of Discouragement to put an arm around our shoulder and ask, Brother, sister, have you given it to God yet? You see, God is the refuge. God is the one who is the very present help in times of trouble, the one we can turn to that God is there, always there for us. Or maybe we need some water and the word, just as we did earlier with Emily, because, you know, through this water and the Word, we hear Paul again saying, in baptism, you are united with Christ. It's in our baptism that we are washed clean. We're united with Christ, not just in His life, but also in His death, not just in His death, but in His what? resurrection. We are united in Christ. Whom then shall we fear? You see, God is our refuge. God is the one who comes to us in this act of baptism. Sometimes we think it's all about us, but I have a little secret to tell you. (laughs) It's not. It's about God. God comes to us, and through that act of baptism, we are marked with the cross of Christ And we are sealed by that Holy Spirit how long? Forever. We are sealed by it forever. You know, maybe sometimes that's that's how we experience God as our refuge. Maybe sometimes we experience God as the refuge in a song or a poem or a psalm. And that's when we realize that God is our refuge, our strength, our sustainer, our redeemer. But you know, some of our greatest ancestors in faith, even they doubted. We heard about Thomas. We've heard this story many times, how Thomas was doubting. As the disciples were huddled in that room, the first time Jesus came, Thomas wasn't there. So they're telling him all about the story, and he says, yeah, right, until I see the scars in his hands and in his side, I'm not going to believe. And it's not until Jesus appears to him that he believes. King David, as revered as he is, from whose Bloodline, our Savior, is born. King David has times of darkness and despair, and God comes to him. So David writes a song, he writes a poem, he writes a psalm, that, and all these become our collection of psalms that we'll study. They express his struggles in times of trouble about how God comes to him, bringing eternal pleasures. You see, David's story is our story. Our story is David's story. David's story is God's story. God's story is David's story. Our story is God's story. God's story is our story. God's all up in our business. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that, that we're all connected. Over time, we begin to see that we need God, that God is in control, that God is real, that God is indeed our refuge. We need God because why? We can't do this on our own. We've proven that over and over again. We cannot do this on our own. But we need God not just in times of trouble. we, We even need God on our best days, don't we? I saw that in a Facebook post this morning. Even on our best day, we need God. God who is our refuge, God who comes to us in many forms. Sometimes it's in the least expected ways, in a vision, in a song, in a Bible verse, in a conversation. And you know what? Sometimes we need God to show up in the form of somebody called Milton. Brother, have you given it to God yet? Sister, have you given it to God yet? Because God is our refuge and strength, would you join me in saying together Psalm 16? Here we go. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God is our refuge. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Lord come to us this day, come to us always, and help us see and know your presence and know that you are God. Wrap your arms around us and help us know that we can turn things over to you, that you will indeed bring us comfort, that you will indeed bring us mercy and patience, and you will continue to pour out your grace to us and to all of your creation, now and always. O Lord, our refuge, our strength, our redeemer. In your name we pray, amen.